Um, um, all right, so Speakeasy is starting now. Yes. And hello, everybody. Welcome to hello. Yet, uh, to another I episode. I can talk over you. You can, clearly. No, can. It's happening I right just, now. What? There's... It's hey everybody. another episode of Speakeasy. You want to tell them for once what this thing is that we do? Uh, uh, Speakeasy, it's an uh, occasional podcast where we speak off the cuff, hence the name, and not just because we have a booze segment in our other show. And uh, it's filled with usually um, different elements that we can't air on the radio for various reasons. Sometimes they're naughty, sometimes they're too long, sometimes we just haven't gotten a chance to share them yet. And yeah. today... We have a little bit of everything coming at you. We got some announcements. We do have some announcements. But after the announcements, stick around because we are going to hear an awesome long cut of an etiquette segment with the comedian Whitney Cummings. Oh, I forgot the telegraph. You're right. It's important. Stick around. We have an amazing comedian. Yeah. You can just deal with us for a little bit and then Whitney Cummings. It'll be fun. And she's really funny and smart and answers your etiquette questions. But first, we want to let you know if you read the New York Times. That's it. For those of you who don't know, that's a little zine that's published out of Manhattan. <laughs> we are going to have a little article in the New York Times, uh, October yeah. their October 29th issue of their magazine, um, if all goes well. I, I still haven't been telling people because I'm scared they're going to just say it's not true. But I think it's happening. <laughs> they think um, you're joking? They're like, no, I'm scared that they're going to be like, uh, actually, guys, we're cutting that. Why did you think you qualified to be in the New York Times? Like, I, I, have, I have a big imposter complex here. When I see our names in the New York Times, it will be a surreal moment. So yes. maybe it's not going to happen. So but every indication is that it will happen. October 29th, they have a dinner party issue. They're wonderful columnists, many of which we've had on this show. Samin Nosrat. Um, Gabrielle Hamilton, a couple others, are all writing about their dinner party experiences. Mm. And then actually Rico and I provided conversation tips, how to talk to people at dinner parties. And guess where those conversation tips came from, everybody? Oh, from our book? Why, thank you for asking. It is uh, coming out on December 5th. Shameless. He's it's, shameless. It's called Brunch is Hell. You just got to do it, man. This is our job right Brunch now. Brunch is Hell, How to Save the World Through Dinner Parties. It's yep. coming out on Little Brown, December 5th. We're super excited. We're going to have parties in New York, L.A., D.C., Philadelphia. Um, Pasadena. It's kind of L.A., but it's different. Yeah. So there's lots <laughs> of stuff. So you can learn about all that stuff if you go to Brunch is Hell. Dot com. We have information yes. about the book. And you can pre-order that right now, by the way, people. Don't wait. Pre-order it now. Mm. Helps us out, and you're going to get it anyway. Come on. It's coming out December 5th. You know that you're going to give it to everybody on your Christmas list. All right. List. Shameless. So you got to stop. We got it. All right. We're spading, we're spading that down. Okay. Pre-order our funny, useful, heartfelt book. <laughs> um, we're going to segue now into uh, perhaps a more serious announcement. We're going to preface this by playing you a little clip, a little walk down memory lane. Let's hear it. First, as with any dinner party, we start off with small talk. Your friends are going to bring up certain topics at this weekend's party. We're about to tell you what those topics are, and more importantly, how to respond. We're going to help you put the un in unconventional wisdom. Topic number one, Barack Obama's world tour. He was greeted by like 200,000 people in Berlin. Iraqi President Maliki all but endorsed. Yeah. His troop with so Malachi. that was a clip from our first episode of the Dinner Party Download. I think it was mm. summer of 2008. You can tell Yikes. because we're talking about Barack Obama's first election campaign there. <laughs> and yeah. Maliki is still the head of Iraq. Things have changed yeah. a little since then. Things have changed. The un and unconventional, like I still have the wordplay, but I wasn't 
punning horribly back then. <laughs> no. Yet. It was still, still early days. You still talked like a regular human being. There was that sound bump, too, is different. It used to be a piece of this wedding present song that we used to introduce That's small right. talk. A song by the band The Wedding Present, instead of uh, what we use now is a clip from a song by Aphex Twin. Unless you think uh, we're just crazy narcissists. You're, you're half right, by the way. The reason we're sharing that with you is because this week we announced some pretty big news. Uh, the Dinner Party download, as we know it, is going away. The last broadcast of our show is December 1st. We announced it on social media earlier this week, but we wanted yeah. to make sure you, our podcast listeners, are aware of it. That's right. We and uh, APM are parting ways. We have the aforementioned new book coming out, and we want to use that to start the next phase of our careers, which will include another uh, audio adventure, which we hope you'll join us on. But before we discuss that, we do want to thank mainly you guys, everybody it's who's true. listening right now. Yes. We are overwhelmed by some of the stuff we've heard since we told you that we're going away in December 1st via social media. Yeah. Uh, but just in general, we're grateful for you. We grew up with you. Not only did we grow up, but podcasting in general grew up. Like When we started, most people hadn't even heard of podcasting. So if you're right. an old timer that's been listening to us since then, you really were in on the ground floor of something amazing and we're kind of honored that we could be part of it. Planet Money was just a meteor back then. <laughs> just a it's tiny true. chunk yeah. <laughs> of an outer space thing. Uh-huh. But we do want you to know that we are moving on to other projects and you can sign up to find out about those projects at the same website we just told you about, right? Do You did mention the website. I can't remember anymore. Brunchishell.com, same place you can find info about our book. You can sign up for more info about future podcast projects. But you should know that we have more podcast episodes to give you here on the Dinner Party Download. We've still got five more weeks of episodes. So much good stuff. We have Abby Jacobson. We have... Tignataro. Tignataro's coming up. And we're doing... Are we allowed to announce this now? I think we are. We're doing a show in Seattle to yeah. say goodbye to everyone. That will be our last show. And that's on November 16th at the Moore Theater. It's, we're secretly calling it The Last Supper. Um, <laughs> Not so secretly now because we just told you. Lindy West is coming, the wonderful, powerful columnist for The New York Times. And Kyle Kraft, the young musician with a huge voice, which our producer Jackson describes as Elton John <laughs> with a guitar. Is that right, Jackson? Jackson says he's also oh, like a oh, baby no, Bob Dylan, which Brendan which? had the uh, genius idea of starting a sitcom <laughs> called Baby Bob Dylan. An animated show called Baby Bob Dylan. Yeah. Which, with and the, the voice. voice of the baby would be voiced by modern Bob Dylan. Yeah. I think it would work. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's not going to happen at our show. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that's in our future. Baby Bob Dylan, look for it on Fox Family. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I should I should say, if you are in, if you're listening to us in Seattle, go get tickets. It's at the Moore Theater in Seattle, lovely historic theater. It's going to be an amazing show. And the gloves are coming off because what are they going to do? Fire us? Yeah, we're telling <laughs> the secrets of public radio. It's going to be gonna amazing. And also, my mother, Netta Greta Noonan, will be there. And yep. uh, she already booked her tickets. And she's staying at, well, I should should I say this? Or is she going to get paparazzi? <laughs> Probably. Uh, but I think she's staying at the it. Moore Hotel. And I was like, okay. It's attached to the theater. And I looked it up online. And it says, an Econo Classic. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, she's like your like, mom. It's really interesting. Some of the rooms don't have bathrooms. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's an SRO, Mom. But it's so. okay. My mother's going to be staying in a room where, like, young Jack Kerouac was homeless, like, in, in Seattle. Oh, that's historic and stuff. Maybe Ned Greta will come on stage. Yeah, that would be amazing if we had and her she on could, the show. And she could talk and then she could stage dive. That, that would, would be, be amazing. That would be the end of another <laughs> chapter in our I lives. I think, actually, if my mother had a one-on-one conversation with Lindy West, she may divorce my father. So <laughs> I think maybe we should just... Uh, yeah, Lindy's going to empower the hell out of her. Exactly. Um, so we'll keep my mother behind the velvet rope. 
Um, we but, have something behind the other side of this underwriting spot. Yes, stick around. Right after that, we're going to play you our etiquette segment with Whitney Cummings, the wonderful comedian. Stick around. All right, we're back with more Speakeasy. And it's time now to uh, make you laugh. That's right. If you were shedding a tear a moment ago for the precipitous end of our show. Or more importantly, it's now time for famous professional funny people, not just <laughs> us gabbing. It is amazing when you sit down in a studio with an actual pro comedian, like how freaking amazing they are. And this is a yeah. prime example of it. Here is Brendan introducing the comedian Whitney Cummings when she stopped by our studios a few days ago. Each week, you send in your questions about how to behave, and here to answer them this week is actor and comedian Whitney Cummings. After tackling pop culture catastrophes on TV's Chelsea Lately, she landed her own sitcom called, wait for it, Whitney. (laughs) What? And she co-created the long-running hit Two Broke Girls. She's also a staple on the stand-up and I learned podcast circuit, and she has a new memoir of sorts called I'm Fine, dot, 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 and Other Lies. Mm -hmm. And Whitney... Welcome to our program. Thank you. Can I say something? Yes. I don't Uh think it's a memoir. Memoir makes it sound so self-indulgent and boring, although you're technically right and I know smarter than me. I'm (laughs) trying to not call it a memoir. I don't want people to think that I'm just bloviating about my childhood. No, it's weird. And I see your picture on the cover. I don't know why I would think you were putting yourself front and center in this book. (laughs) That's impossible. I don't know what makes you think this is about me. Yeah. Uh, based yeah, on the I giant don't... photo of me. <laughs> no, it's just, it's about like the greatest hits of my codependency and uh, addiction, rock bottoms, and all the things mm. that I learned. I just want people to know that it's actually useful information, not me just uh, talking about myself. But it, it is true, though, that your, your early comedy was very often third person. It was kind of like, this is how relationships go down. Mm-hmm. Boys do this, girls do this. Yes. It's become more first person. Wow. What led... How did you know that? Well, I mean, our, our producer, producer told, told us. us. Oh. No. <laughs> um, that's not true. That's but... so interesting. You know, yeah, I think as a comedian, and I don't know if you guys, you know, sort of relate in your business, but I think when you first start, I thought I just had to generalize about things and talk about things that everybody related to. And it was before I heard the Chris Rock quote, the more, you know, specific you are, the more universal you are. Mm. I was kind of like, men Mm -hmm. do this and women do this. Generalizations (laughs) made me feel safe, you know, and I think that uh, that's just where I evolved to. And then I realized, like, uh, let me be more specific. Is it scary? It seems scary to me. You know, it's interesting. It is. It's pretty scary to be that vulnerable. But I think ultimately most of the mistakes I was making in my life and the um, uh, self-destructive compulsions, the engine of it was shame and you can release shame by doing just that releasing it and talking about it so there is something that's oddly relieving about it as well Mm. Um, although I've noticed ever since I started like talking about really embarrassing things other people feel they should share their embarrassing things. Is that good or bad? It's the literally, I had a woman um, in the airport walk by me the other day and she just goes, hey Whitney, I can't stop stealing. <laughs> like I was like, cool, <laughs> got it. Like, good to know. Yeah. Great. And your book fell out from underneath her shirt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> as long as you pay for my book, we're good. Exactly. So it's like it does open up this. We- I think there's a relief in just releasing your embarrassing secrets, you know. So although it's mm. embarrassing, and I don't let people I know read it, and I don't let the guy I'm dating read it, and I don't read it, uh, mm. I see how it can maybe benefit strangers. So there's a detail in this book, and maybe this isn't one of the most embarrassing details. On one page, you have a list of requirements for your future mate. Yeah. And I and do. alongside stuff like trustworthy and financially responsible. <laughs> I love that you are pointing this out. <laughs> you list doesn't make me go to music festivals. <laughs> and, and this is pretty high up on your list. Can you explain? So this is everybody. I 
have this condition called codependency, which I know a lot of people think just means you like spend a lot of time with your girlfriend or boyfriend, but it actually means that you can't tolerate the discomfort of others. You know, you don't see red flags. You stay in bad relationships too long. Uh, you take care of other people and not yourself. You can't say no to things. It manifests in many other ways, but that's my specific. Super fun. It's awesome. I just learned so much about myself. I think I need to leave right now. <laughs> yeah, I need to make a phone call. Uh, uh, perfectionism, self-flagellating, self-criticism. It's a myriad of of delightful qualities, but um, I was so bad at picking partners because I was just recreating my childhood circumstances and picking people that gave me the most adrenaline. Like it was like, are you my dad? Mm. Are you my dad? Are you my like <laughs> whoever was the most unavailable? Um, Whitney, I... yes, I'm your dad. Okay, so please just <laughs> thank. God, wow. no, you've already talked to me way too long to be my dad. Oh, you, you already seem way too interested That's in me. It's a very special episode of the Dinner Party <laughs> Download, you guys. We gotta laugh, you guys. I'm, we're doing it. So I, my therapist had me write out things that you must have in a relationship's requirements, because I was so all over the place. Trustworthy, not married, doesn't take me to music festivals. But why music festivals? It's a festivals? deal breaker for me. But it's, it's so high on the list. I just, I think YouTube is a powerful thing and I would much rather watch a performance in the privacy of my own iPad. All right. Music yeah. festivals have just never gone well for me. I rolled an ankle. I fell in pee. I don't do well in porta potties. I don't do well around people. I'm like that person who's How like, about "Where's crushing my phone?" Heat? Do you like the crushing heat? What's part? that? Oh, oh, just the like. How about the stun volume? I'm 35 years old. I can't do music festivals, and I just accept that about myself. It's not in my future. <laughs> I'm not wearing feather earrings, temporary tattoos. You got to know when to call it. But you know what you're missing? Do you see that in the list of musts? I say self-aware twice. Uh, really? Self-aware, two other things, self-aware. <laughs> Must be detail-oriented. Yes, Because right. I'm not. <laughs> like, I wrote, <laughs> the least self-aware person on the planet wrote self-aware twice. And then do you see in the red flags column, not a social media addict, in parentheses, dark web? <laughs> do you see how crazy that is? I refuse to date a guy who's on the dark web. That's where I draw on the line. No Bitcoin here, sir. Um, you are known, in addition to your writing for various shows, for also being an incredible roast writer for celebrity roasts. Yes, it's true. Really? I have and, no idea how I'm perceived. Uh, people are constantly talking about your roasting abilities. Really? They never stop telling you. They come up and they say, I steal, and you're an amazing roast writer. And you've appeared on these celebrity roast shows. What is the trick of doing a roast joke? Bad childhood. <laughs> For you or the person that the, you roast? I mean, everyone involved, really. That's ideal. Someone with too much self-esteem is not welcome there. You know, it's interesting you ask that. For me, roast jokes are a lot of math. You have to take a, an ostensible weakness of a person... Mm -hmm. Add it to a topical, incendiary, current event. Mm, Figure out a it. way to link them in a short, punchy joke. Every joke is based on a, a that's topical just, event? It doesn't have to be, but that's kind of like a formula that works. Like Greg Giraldo used to have this ability to do make people laugh at roasts without that formula. Like one time he just said to Larry the Cable Guy, he just like very angrily yelled, why are you so popular? <laughs> and it was just a question that he yelled yeah. enraged and it defied yeah. all the rules of a roast joke because usually a roast joke is like, you know, he Greg Giraldo, uh, the great Greg Giraldo did a joke to Ice-T. He said, um, uh, Ice-T, you're so old, you used your first residual check to buy your freedom. <laughs> like, that's just an amazing <laughs> roast joke. God. Right? Oh it's just, God. oh my God. You're so old, you're so ugly, you're so f such a failure, you're such a bad actor. Oof. 
sometimes yeah. you just have to write down just the most offensive thing. So it's like if it was right now, you just write down, uh, you know, Puerto Rico flood, Hurricane Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, oh, all the Harveys. Uh, yeah. You know, Vegas. Like you would just write the things that are the most tragic and awful, then find out oh, what the flaws are of the other person and just figure way figure out a way to marry them. But obviously the words too soon were probably minted <laughs> yeah. specifically for things yeah. like Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. And yet your job at that point yeah. is to push those yep. limits. Have you found limits at, at a roast? It's a great question. Like, I don't think there's such a thing in roasting as a limit. It's more you have to be funnier than you are offensive always. So if you're mm. going to do a Hurricane mm-hmm. Harvey joke or a Vegas joke, it better be an A-plus banger. You know, it better <laughs> yeah. not be sloppy. So the rule is always be funnier than you are offensive. Is, is the writing a book like this in some ways like roasting yourself? <laughs> That's a good question. What a profound... Finally, she said, I have a good question. What a poignant yes. question. Thank Maybe. You. I don't think it's... I mean, yes, I definitely deprecate a lot in the book, but like I just am saying facts of decisions I made. <laughs> I mean, it's not really an opinion. We're, we, the roast is exaggeration. All right. Let's turn to some other real life problems. Oh, great. Which are those of our listeners. You can roast them or not. Oh, good. Are these specific to me or these are just specific? They don't know who's going to answer their question? We told them you we were coming, them were you, but, but they have kind really? of general questions. Is yeah. that all right? Yes, oh, totally. I'm just curious if they curate their questions. You're like, is this about me? Is that what you're like, asking? Is this, I just, I don't <gasps> like things to be about me. Do you want to look me? at the cover of your book for a second I to feel better? Do you realize that... <laughs> That you have to put a photo of yourself on the cover of your book for marketing purposes. Rico and I have a book coming out and they asked us not to. I have the lowest self-esteem on the planet. I would have loved to have covered my face with some, you know, like an octopus or something. I did try to I did try to be on fire on the cover. I did try to have a shark attacking me. I had a lot of ideas and they wouldn't they said no to all of them. Um let's turn this sort of wisdom. Stop trying to get to the show. I know. Like what's my problem? Don't you just want to hang out with Whitney? Here's our first question. Okay. This comes from Robbie. Robbie. Via see. our website. R A B I H. Beautiful name. Robbie via our website writes, I am walking in my city neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I see an unlocked car parked on the street. Mm -hmm. I don't know who the car belongs to. Do I leave it be or open the door and try to lock it myself? I can't be bothered knocking on every nearby house or apartment door. Robbie, mind your own business. Keep walking. Stay in your lane. I I have to admit, I thought this was an interesting question. You think it's that easy? Because I am in recovery for codependence, which the main Mm. deal is stay in your lane. And before you solve Mm. a problem, first make sure it's your problem. Mm Because I used to be the person who was solving everybody's problems. You're sick. Here's a doctor's number. You need to go to the airport. I'm moving you out of your ex-boyfriend's house. Like I was the person. No Mm. one wants your help. It makes them not like you. It makes them resent you. You're patronizing them. If someone's, if that door is unlocked, maybe he's running in because he forgot his key no, and he has to move something and you lock someone's and then they can't get back in their car and they didn't yeah. have their key. <laughs> that's true. That yeah. would be funny if you lock someone out of yes. their car. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. If someone's car is unlocked, either they deserve for it to get stolen because they're on Instagram liking pictures of porn stars or they wanted it to be unlocked because maybe they're... <laughs> doing something. Mind your own business. Those are the only business. two possibilities. Yes. Also, suspicious here. Why is Robbie, he's like, I'm walking in my city neighborhood and I see an unlocked car. How do you know it's unlocked? The, those buttons from the 70s no longer, you don't see them anymore. Yeah, there's not yeah. that little nub. It could be a 79 Nova. <laughs> Let Robbie, have... this also seems like the first scene of a bad movie. Like, do, you might as well just put yourself in the trunk of the car and lock it because oh. something bad is going to happen It could be a, a romantic comedy, though. Maybe that's how he sets off the car alarm and, and then he meets nope. the love of his life. No. 
nope. movie just bombed at the box office, All just right. as yeah. you said that. Was, that. That's, that I think worst. you got your answer, Robbie. No question. Sorry, right, Robbie. This next question comes from Andrea in Ohio. Andrea writes, how many hours weekly should I allow my hubby to play fantasy football? I get that it's a fun outlet for him, but he kind of obsesses. Looking for a third-party opinion here. How, like, I don't know how many hours a week it is. Here's what I'll say. I've learned recently that you accept people for who they are mm. and you don't try to change them. That is new information to me. I thought what? you, like, meet someone and, like, you know how you, like, flip a house? I thought you, like, could flip a person. That's not real. <laughs> so I have now learned you just accept them as is. Um, okay. Wow. But there must be a how, limit. But how, isn't that close to getting walked upon? Yeah. But here's what bit. I'll say. Do you want to be in a relationship where you're scold I mean that that's what you do with your child not your husband um mm. a relationship in my experience when you tell guys what to do and take things away from them it becomes weirdly maternal and then sex feels like incest am I allowed to say that <laughs> don't do it like you can set a boundary like that makes it more unattractive to him it's like smoking I'm in a relationship mm -hmm. where I was like I'm not going to tell you to stop smoking but since it's detrimental to me you can't do it around me. So yeah. when you smoke, I'm going to leave. Yes. Or mm -hmm. can, isn't there compromise or something? Could it be like y you can spend as many hours a week as you want, but I also require this for myself. Yes, exactly. Or it's like do it after I go to sleep. You know, for me, I like being in relationships where someone has their own thing going on mm -hmm. and I yeah. have my own thing going on. So I think that it's a huge advantage. If but you're... this isn't like shooting hoops a couple times a week. This is fantasy football. Seems like it could be an obsession. Yes. There's actually a follow-up question here. The, the follow-up question is when he's locked into fantasy football stats on his phone instead of, say, the conversation he's having with me. Oh, How do I snap I him out of it? <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. No, I have a, you can't look at your phone while we're at dinner or talking because okay. you're disrespecting my time. I don't oh. care if it's fantasy football, texting, Instagram. I don't care what it is. Seinfeld had this great bit. I think he did on Letterman where it's like someone picking up their phone and looking at it while you guys are at dinner. It's like picking up a magazine and just flipping through it. It's so rude. Like <laughs> picking true. up a book and just yeah. reading it. So I think a phone during dinner, I'm sorry, I retract that statement. That's incorrigible. Divorce that man. Yeah. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> no, say don't goodbye to him. hubby. But We've I would say the gamut. set a boundary. Like I wouldn't, it's not effective in my experience to just be like, I hate when you do that. Like, just set a boundary, All right. you know, and there has to be a consequence for your his action. All right. There you yeah. go, Andrea. I bet you that's the sort of person who leaves their car unlocked, a little obsessed with their phone. <laughs> Here is something from Lara via our website, or Lara. Lara. Uh, she writes, my husband and a few of our friends can't stand one of my best girlfriends. Yeah. I understand why she lacks a certain social filter, but she's been a great friend and I enjoy her company. I feel like I've been that friend that no one likes. Bring that to your answer. But She's the girl who's like, what's up, hookers? <laughs> hey, bitch. There's an imitation of Lara's friend. And Lara continues, anyway, it's getting awkward, continually making up reasons why she and I can't get together on the weekends. Uh, Suggestions on how to be a good friend here. I want to be more honest, but I don't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, hurting someone's feelings, I believe, is very underrated. I think sometimes people need it. That sounds sociopathic and savage, I know, but I have mm. been that annoying person. And I, I'm very grateful when someone's like, hey, your energy's a little intense. Is everything okay? Because I used to be 
as a comedian, you know, it's like mm. all my friends are comedians and I we, we all insult each other and we're like, hey, idiot, you're, you know, we say offensive stuff. And I was going into a social situation with non-comedians talking like that to people, <laughs> just making them cry and upsetting people. <laughs> and someone finally had to say like, hey, there's a difference between comics and um, humans. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> you pig. And I'm so glad someone pointed that out. I'm making your tacos. Will you please stop it? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you're at a St. Jude event. Um, these are children. But the thing that's weird is that she she likes her friend. She doesn't have a problem with yeah. this behavior. It's the people around her. Shouldn't it be yeah. the other people's problem? Here's to what do I would them? say. I would just say, hey, um, the imaginary boyfriend, Miguel. Uh, I would say, hey, Miguel, or husband. It's her husband. My husband, Miguel, he's just, um, your energy is a little intense for him. And he's a little more low key. And so uh, it probably just makes sense that you and I hang out 101. Is that cool? 101. One on one. Yeah. I think you just sort of say it in a gentle way and tell the truth. In a non comedian way. In a non comedian way. Don't be like, he hates you because you're whack or whatever. Insert Hurricane Harvey joke. Don't do that. (laughs) All right. Be a good friend, Laura. Let her know. There's your battle plan, Laura. Last question comes from Christine in Tucson, Arizona. On a plane recently, the person seated next to me repeatedly coughed vigorously into the air with no attempt at covering her mouth or restraining the sharing of her cold germs. Oh, that's hard. Would it have been rude to hand her a packet of tissues? No. No. I fly a lot, and I set very strong boundaries on planes. I tell people to turn down their music. I tell people to turn down their stop talking. I tell people their conversations are too loud. I spent, I, I'm spent. i big on that. I believe that mm. you have to claim your space. And if it comes to your health, if someone's coughing out their germs into your face. But here's the other thing I'll say. If you're on a plane, you're inhaling germs the whole time. So it's not like that person coughing is going to make or break yeah. your flu yeah it's gonna happen (laughs) whether it's her or not if i would say here's my thing my thing is if it happens once suck it up Mm -hmm. and move on don't literally suck it up but don't literally inhale (laughs) (laughs) if it happens again then do something all right so i'm retracting my first thing because you do have to balance this with the idea of you're sitting next to this person for eight hours so if you start a war you're gonna be stressed out and anxious the whole time you could have like peanuts Stuck in your ears or something. That's so interesting. Be careful, especially yeah. you know the the whole idea of staying in your lane. But that's your lane. If you're on a plane sitting next to somebody, is the plane's that, your lane. The plane's your lane, guys. Um, I know we we're got really a bumper we're, sticker. We company. gotta go on the road. It's a tricky um, one because my health is my lane, and if you're sneezing into my mouth, I feel like that's don't kind sneeze of into like, my health lane. That's a tricky one. But was it a yeah. sneeze or a cough? It's a cough. cough. Vigorous yeah. cough. No, but the tissue's not going to... What's a tissue going to do? Well, the tissue is a passive-aggressive way to be like, oh, do you need yeah. this? Because it's, it's not totally jerky. And why do you have tissues? What's going on with you? <laughs> yeah. Who, Maybe you're the Are you a Boy Scout? If you have tissues in your purse, obviously you, you're draining from somewhere. Although, although mm. I, a friend of mine did point out that as you get older, you tend to have <laughs> tissues on you. <laughs> Mm. So maybe this I, is just an older person. Uh, maybe. Mm. Anyways. Um, I have a question, though. Can I just ask a follow-up here, since Whitney obviously doesn't need to leave? Yep. Um, <laughs> I was on the subway this morning, and there was a woman watching a TV show really loud on her uh-uh. phone. No way. Yeah. Subway But I didn't know what to say to her. Because Subway, you're not spending $700 on a ticket. Mm-hmm. Subway's, what, mm-hmm. five bucks? So, so wait, so then it's okay for them to blast you? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, that one feels a little bit like you're on the subway. There's way worse things. The good news was it was a foreign language, uh-huh. so I didn't understand what was happening. The bad news was it was a foreign language, and I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> so it was just like noise coming out of this phone really yeah, loudly. Yeah, you don't think that that's What's terrible? What's your commute? 
from Brooklyn to Manhattan. I was on the seven train. Did you want to sleep? Was it so early that you could have caught no, a nap? No, I, I, I like the the New York rule of everyone just shuts the hell up and has their <laughs> oh, iPods in. Oh, is that in. what people in New York do? I've never heard that rule or seen it executed. In the morning. You mean people just scream at two in the morning as if they're being murdered constantly? <laughs> New Yorkers. My guess, I don't. I'm, from reading your book is that you haven't commuted before 10 a.m. in New York City <laughs> in a while. I have That's not. That's just a guess. I am renting a place in New York City, and all I hear is blood-curdling screams all night long. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Well, that's people yelling at their seamless delivery person. That's but, actually um, true. Um, for their for their seventy dollar poke bowl. Brendan, continue to dream of your super quiet New York City. Yes, Whitney, thank you so much for joining us and telling our audience how to behave. Thank you for having me. I hope this was helpful. Whitney Cummings. My um, God, she's good. Yeah, I think, but we New Yorkers aren't the ones screaming. We're the ones maybe committing the crimes that make the other people scream. So I think... <laughs> it's tourists just, that are doing yeah. the screaming? Yeah, that was a totally tourist observation on her part. But hey, um, if you want to get a little peek behind the curtain, next week on the broadcast version of our show, you'll hear a polished eight-minute version of that segment. Yeah. Also, you're going to hear um, a great interview with Abby Jacobson, the comedian. Who are you interviewing next week, Rico? Angela Robinson. She is a fantastic right. filmmaker, and she just made a movie called Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman, which is about wow. the unbelievable true story of Marsden, the guy who created Wonder Woman. His life is not what you might imagine from a comic book creator, and uh, <laughs> you definitely want to listen to this interview. It's fascinating. It's going to be an awesome show. All right. I think we're getting towards the end of Speakeasy, but there was so much information conveyed this week. Let's just do a quick recap. Okay. Um, check out the New York Times, October 29th. We'll have an article in it. Also, we have a book coming out December 5th. It's called Brunch is Hell, How to Save the World by Throwing a Dinner Party, and you can pre-order it right now if you go to brunchishell.com. Also... We're really sad. December 1st is going to be the last broadcast of the Dinner Party Download. However, we're also really happy because we're going to have a final show at the Moore Theater in Seattle, which you should buy tickets to. It will be fun. Head to dinnerpartydownload.org for more information about that. Uh, and then we did a bunch of sponsor stuff. <laughs> and then we played you Whitney Cummings. But if you're listening to this, you just heard it. Thank you for providing that Cliff's Note, Brendan. And You're welcome. That concludes Speakeasy. See you next week, folks. We're not going anywhere for a while. Come back. Put the end music here. Mm-hmm.